I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Still a ton more to get into on this edition of the Steelers Standard when it comes to the offensive side of the ball. Previous episode, if you want to go back and give it a listen, uh, Steelers.com, wherever you find your podcast. We talked a lot about Kenny Pickett in the quarterback, so you definitely get your quarterback fill there. But the offensive line is the biggest issue that is threatening this team right now. Uh, I think quarterback is kind of a nice smoke screen for the fans. It's something that, you know, they can kind of, you know, easily comprehend. And it's very tangible to, you know, see how the quarterback plays. The quarterback position is something that everybody is an expert in. I mean, let's just be honest. It's it's the one thing that everybody's eyes are glued to when the ball is snapped is the quarterback. And they're mainly focused on that. But if you just turn your attention just a little bit to your right or to your left, depending on which way they're going up and down the field, you'll see some very tragic things happening with the offensive line. And I'll admit it, me too, during games, I am a slave to watching the action and watching the football more than I am the trench battles. But when you go back and you look at clips on Twitter or you watch game film over again, it's noticeable. It's so evident. And it's screenshots that I've seen from the game against Jacksonville on Twitter where Mitch, Kenny, they're in the pocket, and four of Jacksonville's defenders have beaten the Steelers' offensive line. And it's just the fact that Mitch and Kenny are both mobile quarterbacks, and Kenny is really good so far at getting the ball out very fast and accurately when he has to, that you've avoided these you know, big crushing sacks. But you've seen these quarterbacks get big crushing sacks as well. And, you know, I, I think Mason should have been a little bit smarter to take that intentional grounding in the end zone. But I'll also give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt because you can't have that much pressure when you're deciding to pass the ball and you're that deep in your own end zone. You need to really nut up on your pass protection at that point, and they didn't. They just ran right through them. Uh, it's it's to the point where it's hard to find somebody that you can even say is doing a good job right now. I mean, I'm sure that you'll find Mason Cole and Chooks probably doing serviceable work. But across the board, there's moments where you can point at all five of these starters and say what you're doing is below the line. Um, to just start with the one that I'm probably the most disappointed in, it's been James Daniels so far because this is a guy that came from Chicago, had a lot of track record and starting in that team, played with Mitch before for a couple of years, and you're maybe starting to see why the Bears weren't so uh, 
gung-ho about bringing him back. You know, he's a really young guard that has a ton of NFL experience despite not even being, like, 24 yet. I think that's a guy that's nailed on, signed to a second contract, and have him continue to grow in your offense. But the Bears decided to move on from him. The Steelers are giving him a shot. And through the preseason so far and through training camp practices, you're looking at him and you're saying you're seeing a guy that you you understand why the Bears let go and not a guy that's saying, wow, the Bears really screwed up. Yeah, it's really a shame too, Tom, because you and I have been sitting here for X amount of months talking about what a great move it was by Kevin Colbert before he went out and retired or stepped back saying, this guy, his regret from last year was not bringing in more than enough of veteran leadership for the offensive line. He went out, he signed Mason Cole, he went out and he signed James Daniels, and you and I sat here on the show and we said to ourselves, what a hurrah, what a what a great final hurrah for Kevin Colbert right. to go out on a high note, event, revenging, avenging, whatever we're going to call it, his regret from 2021. It's just unfortunate. Before the season has even started, here we are saying be, between two preseason games and four weeks of training camp, what we've seen out of James Daniels has been absolutely subpar. Yes. Not ex- not at all what you expected to get out of a young offensive lineman. Yeah, I'm not and again, I'm not trying to do the bash the offensive line episode here because I think there's still room to grow. They're still so young across the board and I think that you can still salvage a couple of guys from this unit and and be decent offensive linemen in the NFL, but it's it's hard to not it's hard to find the positives. It really is. I mean, Kendrick Green was getting swum like crazy against Jacksonville, uh, pushed back into the quarterback a couple times as well. Dan Moore has just he, what he looked like his rookie year it has not shown up once in the preseason game so far. And you want to say things like, well, he was going up against Josh Allen, who's a budding star for Jacksonville, uh, the defense of Josh Allen, not the one in Buffalo. Uh. But you know, he's a really good rush uh, end and he had to get tasked with blocking him. And you, you say, well, that's tough. That's a tough assignment for a second year guy. But then you remember, wait a minute, he had miles Garrett twice last year. And the second time he really held his own in the game, the, the Ben Roethlisberger farewell at the, the stadium formerly known as Heinz field on the Monday night game. I mean, he did a, I don't want to say he did an all pro level job. Miles Garrett still definitely made his presence felt, but you're going up against a, a potential defensive player of the year. First team all pro. I mean, that's holding your own as a rookie against a guy like that. You and I and everybody thought that, man, he's so far ahead of schedule and he did such a decent job against Miles Garrett as kind of like his, you know, climax of his rookie year, the crescendo, if you will, of, of everything coming together that we were going into the offseason saying, man, he's so far ahead of where he should be development wise and the confidence that he should have after holding his own against number 95 in that game and helping the Steelers get a big win in Ben Roethlisberger's final home game. We thought that that was going to snowball over into, man, the Steelers found a good left tackle that should be here for the next half decade to a decade, maybe. And you haven't seen the confidence yet. And you haven't all. seen the skill. And I was in uh, the locker room yesterday with Wolf and he was saying to me, you know, you're seeing him click the heels, and you can't do that as an offensive lineman because when you click your heels and you bring your feet close together, all of your balance is gone, and that defensive lineman is just going to push you over. You need to drag that foot. You need to drag those cleats into the turf as you slide and push out. 
and he's just not doing anything. So it's confidence problem. It's a technique problem, according to, to Craig Wolfley, who knows a lot more about this stuff than either of us. It's concerning because this is a guy, again, that we put a lot of eggs in the basket of being, wow, what a good showing for a rookie. He'll build off of that, have a ton of confidence in his sophomore season, and we got somebody at left tackle potentially for a while to come. And now you're just back to those same question marks you had when he started as a rookie, and you're like, do we really want to start a rookie at this most one of the most important positions in football? Tom, you bring up great points. This is we're we're highlighting James Daniels here, but the this conversation could be copy and pasted for all five starters. But the, I think the reason why we have so much concern over James Daniels was this was supposed to be one of two guys on this offensive line that had no issues. He was supposed to come in. Be the veteran leadership, be the veteran leadership figure on this offensive line, have the prior connection and history of working with Mitch Trubisky, allow that to have one of your three quarterbacks have that relationship already be somewhat with a foundation. Yeah. And use that to kind of help the rest of the offensive line. If Mitch was the starter for any game in the regular season, James and Mitch could work together, and then Mitch. Whatever he needed to tell the offensive line, James could be his guy to be his messenger. Say, hey, Mitch, this is what Mitch likes to do on these schemes. This is what Mitch is going to do. He'll, he likes to run left here. He'll, likes to, he'll like to back up to the left side here. James Daniels was supposed to be that guy because I think the Steelers were looking for someone like that because of the last 10 years, the relationship that Marquise Pouncey and Ben Roethlisberger had. That's obviously something you were trying to recreate after you've now lost both of those starting center and your starting quarterback. However, James Daniels has, I don't want to be too harsh here, but kind of everything you you ask a lot of your offensive linemen, but everything that James Daniels was brought in to do, he has really kind of stumbled out of gates in his short time spent with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He has, and you, you could use the term stumbled out of the gates for all of the five on this offensive line, including the incumbent, Chuk Sikorafor, who I think just by comparison of everybody else has probably looked the best. I mean, he's just, he's not doing anything incredibly well, and right, he's been turnstiled too, but he's just not been as noticeable as the other four. We have always said, if you're an offensive lineman, it's probably best if your name isn't heard during a yeah, game exactly. or during a practice because... You're not doing anything wrong. You're not letting defenders get past you. You're not letting the quarterback take sacks. You're not letting the running back get stuffed before or at the line of scrimmage. So I guess, sure, based off of the process of elimination, Chooks is having the best preseason, but we're not sitting here saying, wow, Chooks is taking that step from an offensive lineman who's been on the team now for a couple of years to could he potentially reach his first Pro Bowl caliber lever? Level, sorry, that's not what we're saying. No, that's not what we're saying at all. You use the term, you know, help the offensive line out. I'm glad you used that because that's exactly what I think they're going to have to do, at least early on in the season, is get them a lot of help. I mean, Zach Gentry might have to be just a de, de facto sixth tackle or a sixth offensive lineman, a, a third tackle on every play that you try to run the ball. Because yeah. and, and to be quite honest with pass protection as well. I mean, I, I don't see... A scenario right now where you are Kenny, you are Mitch, whoever gets to start week one, and you don't call an extra protector in when you're passing the ball. I don't know how you can possibly get away with it if you don't. And I know that takes a guy away from, you know, 
your routes, your route trees and your reads when you're trying to make a, a first down, say on third down, but like, how can you not have a tight end in the backfield or a Derek Watt lined up next to you to help block some of these linemen that are defensive linemen that are just going to be ripping through this offensive line. So I think they're going to have to put a lot of help with that offensive line this year. They're going to have to call on guys like Gentry, the fullbacks, Najee and the running backs to stay in and be that sidecar protector or else I don't see any way you can have a route develop more than 10 to 15 yards down the field with the way that the line looks right now. It's just not possible because they're just letting everybody in so fast. And, you know, we've kind of mentioned him once already, but Kendrick Green is the one that you really look at and you just say, it has to be a confidence thing with this guy. And that makes you feel real, real bad for the kid because maybe he was thrown into that fire too early. Just like we said, we don't want to see with Kenny. Yeah, he looks ready. But we don't want to see him get ruined by getting thrown in there way too early before he's before he actually is ready. And maybe that happened with Kendrick Green last year at center. Thought maybe you move him to guard, take a little bit uh, of stuff off of his plate that he has to think about pre-snap. It would help him out, just help him play football again. But so far, it just looks like a man that is not confident in his abilities. And not at all. That's something that is troublesome when you're on the offensive line. You. You have to really be sound in your technique and know that if you you punch here, you're going to experience uh, a successful result. Or uh, and it's just not happening for him, and it's it's sad to see. But it's also sad to see that Kevin Dotson can't stay healthy, and we're stuck in this spot now where that left guard spot is just as open as it was day one of training camp, heading into week three of preseason against Detroit. Yeah, I don't know entirely, just because I think given Kendrick Green's window of opportunity to take and seize that starting job away from Kevin Dotson and his failure to do so. And I believe yesterday, Dotson and Green and Tomlin all spoke with the media, and Dotson got just all the first-team reps. Dotson was able to practice. He was just there. I think it's Dotson's job to win now. I think he's going to health, health to lose, permitting. To right, lose. That, right, that's yeah. probably a better way to put it. But health permitting, he's going to start with the first unit against Detroit and he's going to get to go majority of the game, I think. And it's hard for me to not see him as long as he stays healthy, winning the job over Kendrick green. Um, again, talking to Wolf in the locker room, he said, you know, you saw Dotson get in there later in the game against Jacksonville and he was having some good push, especially in the run game. He looked better than green did, but then he got his ankle rolled a little bit. Yeah. He's got a little hurt again. So it's like one guy in your left guard battle is struggling with confidence, and the other guy seems to have all the confidence in the world. He just can't, can't get stay on the healthy. Field. He can't keep himself on the field, and it's been a problem since after his rookie year. So, you know, you're kind of screwed on both directions right now because this battle was the most content contested battle in camp in my mind. Quarterback obviously was the one that got the headlines, but I think it was pretty preordained that Mitch was going to be the guy, and I think he still will be. I think left guard was the most legit open battle that they had at camp, and I just don't think they've been able to have the full battle. Well, I think that's pretty evident because that first death chart that was released, what, two weeks ago? There was the Levi Wallace and Kyla Witherspoon battle at quarterback, but I think we're all confident that Levi Wallace was going to take it. Also, that's just not as significant as the left guard position has been for an issue for this team now for, what, the last three years or so? Mm -hmm. Kind of ever since... Kevin Dotson was a rookie. 
And he started off decently well, not great, but then he got hurt. And then he came in last year, got hurt again. So really, ever since Kevin Dotson has been on the team, that left guard position has been an issue for this team, whereas that cornerback position between Akella Witherspoon and Levi Wallace, you have two good guys fighting for that position. You're not you're not worried about which one's going to get the start because one has health issues, the other has confidence issues. They're both great. They're great to an extent. Yeah. But for sure, I think that left guard position has been the biggest hot seat. It's kind of like a game of hot potato where, they're, where they're, they both can hold it, but they kind of just throw it to the other guy every chance they get. And it stinks because I wanted it to be to the point now where we're real solid on the other floor and we're just trying to figure out the left guard, but that's not the case. We're trying to figure out the left guard, and that's the most important spot that we still need to figure out. But the Steelers also cannot feel comfortable with the other four. I mean, there's no way that Tomlin watches this film and doesn't think to himself that I'm going to get all three of these quarterbacks killed at some point this year if this continues. I mean, it is just so below the line, and you can't say that they didn't try. You know what I mean? Like, there is a ton of changeover on this offensive line. Yeah, your tackles are the same, but your tackles were probably your two best pieces from last year. So you obviously naturally want to carry those two over. Right. And then you go and you completely redo the interior. You have... And then two incumbents fighting for the left spot in Green and Dotson. And then you have two new guys in Daniels and Cole coming in for center in the other guard spot. So you can't even say to the Steelers that they didn't think that this was a problem last year and they didn't try their damnedest to address it and have a lot of changeover because they did. It's just sometimes you change over and it still doesn't yield results. And we're trending in that direction, albeit it's extremely early. And, you know, Wolf and Starks and everybody loves to point out who know a lot about offensive line play. It takes a while for offensive lines to get together and gel and really start to grow as a unit. You know what I mean? So right. Max has said on his show multiple times that he doesn't feel he said the same thing last year as he did this year, where he won't feel confident in the offensive line's ability to gel until at least, Tom, at least a month into the regular season. And that's because we've gone through training cramp now for two years, right? Both years now. This year and last year, the offensive line has shown no signs of chemistry or any or any of those those defining aspects of a successful offensive line. And so Max says, even for a good offensive line, it's gonna take time before you really gel and you get to a hundred percent. You know exactly where the guys to your left and right are gonna be on every single play. This is not going to be one of the best offensive lines in football. We were, I think a little naive to say this offensive line is going to be at least a top 20 offensive line, right? It seems now through two weeks of preseason football. I don't know about that. It's a little far-fetched. Yep, it does seem like it's Which a is horrible because we were saying we would take a top 20 offensive line. To, to, to move up from 32 to 20 is a huge improvement. It's not obviously top 10, but, it's but you right would take direction. top 20. Given what Najee Harris did last year as a rookie, with the number 32 offensive line in football, just wonder how how good or how successful he could be with a top 20. But now we're probably looking right back to lower 20s or top 30. Yeah, and it's unfortunate. And hopefully they get better and better as the season moves on. But I haven't seen better and better improvement in the preseason week to week. So jury's still out on how the offensive line will shake out for the entire 18-week uh, season, 17 games that the Steelers play. Defensively, though, Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. 
Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs. Yeah, like check out these hair plugs. I mean, don't just walk around, hey, tapping, hey, hey, stranger, I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? try to act like they, uh, you know what I mean. Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot? Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but. All right, so what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. Though. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Defensive line looked better against Jacksonville when it came to stopping the run. Still no cam, so still no Superman out there on your defensive front. But you got to see Larry O for the first time in a Steelers jersey. I think Tyson got in for a couple of plays as well. And Jacksonville only averaged 3.2 yards per carry through the entire game. So message received on that side of the ball. You know, Tomlin said against Seattle it was inexcusable how much they were giving up on the ground, despite the fact that there weren't, you know, the varsity players out there for the Steelers on the defensive front. You know, they still expect the standard to remain the standard. And if you're sure. a second, third, or fourth string, you should not be giving up that many yards on the ground. And they got gashed against Seattle. Not the case against Jacksonville at all. couple of timely runs from Jacksonville. A couple of, you know, six or seven yarders that help, you know, can keep drives going, help get momentum on drives. But you look at the final box score, and they rushed the ball 30 times and only got 3.2 yards per clip. I mean, any time that you have an opposing team rushing the ball 30 times and they aren't over 100 yards on the ground, that's a huge win for your defense. So message heard loud and clear from Mike Tomlin after last week. Lots of improvement on the defensive side from uh, the running aspect, stopping the run. I do think that having the starters out there, you know, maybe got a little bit of uh, momentum going in the right direction for that Steelers defense, but... So far, so good when it comes to improvement and stopping the run and seeing week-to-week improvement from that side of the ball, which is it's encouraging. Because like we just said on the offensive line side, you don't see any of that improvement from week-to-week. You don't, but I do love what you got to see or what you got to see from the defensive line from against Jacksonville. But just because That's there's... a good running attack, too. I mean, I know Robinson didn't play, but ATN, it's a, it's a talented back ATN that they have to go been, against. People have been saying... This is the guy that everyone thought was going to be this good last year when he came out of, uh, uh, it was uh, Clemson, Clemson, right? Yes. Yeah. He's no one to shrug off just because he missed an entire season due to injury. He is still very young. He's obviously done a good job so far this offseason or this preseason included of rehabilitating that injury. We'll see what he does in the regular season, but this is, got, this is no guy to just shrug off and say, oh, we expected to dominate. This is a this is an offense, Tom. Honestly, all around that has a lot of weapons, right? They went out inside Christian Kirk. They have two legitimate running backs. They have Trevor Lawrence. I honestly think, Tom, that the defensive line, what you saw from the guys who were able to be out there, is promising. Just because, as you said, three point seven yards per carry against a decently run offense team, and they weren't even at full strength. They had. They were missing their biggest guy, their biggest name. Yeah, and I, I do, you know, just a little aside, like you were kind of saying, 
Christian Kirk. They got the two running backs now. Trevor Lawrence has a lot of potential. Their defensive line is just good naturally because they spent a lot of high picks on defensive linemen and uh, guys in their front seven. I mean, they're going to be better this year. They, they ha- you'd think they'd have to be now that there's an actual coach in the in the room. Right, and, and Doug, Doug Peterson, Peterson versus Urban. Yeah, so that you'd have to think that Jacksonville probably still not ready to take a huge leap forward in a really bad division. They'll get to play some. They'll get to play the Houston Texans twice. So, I, I think Jacksonville will be an improved team. But yeah, I mean, good on the Steelers' defensive front for stopping the run and having success in that area against Jacksonville, something that you wanted to see them improve upon against Seattle, and they did that. When you move a little bit back, though, into that box and you look at the inside linebackers, you're still seeing kind of the same problems. Not so much with 51, more so with 55. And I think that's uh, really concerning because you wanted Miles Jack so desperately to come in and be a really good number two and Devin Bush just take off as the number one. You've said thousands of times this is the best running mate Devin Bush has had in his inside linebacker pairing in his career since becoming a Steeler. Uh, Vince Williams obviously retiring by surprise before he could even play a snap with Devin Bush. So it's it's tough. You know what I mean? Like It's tough to get a good read on Devin Bush and what the problem is with him. Athletically, he seems completely back from the knee injury. I hear the speed is still there from people like you who are at camp and saw it every day. Sideline to sideline doesn't seem like he's losing anything as far as that's concerned. It's either just, you know, confidence he's not there or he's literally just not into it, which is hard to believe because Mark has said it on the Mark Madden show for countless weeks now. This dude is getting to the point where he's playing for a career. Like, I know he had that comment where he said, I'll still be in the NFL no matter what happens next year. He's probably not wrong, but what level of the NFL are you going to be? Are you going to be a fringe guy who has to play special teams, or are you going to be the number 10 overall pick like you always projected to be? So he really is up against it career-wise, and to hear him have thoughts like that and to see him kind of play with – I don't want to say he's not playing hard because I never accuse a player of not trying their best. These are professionals, and they've been playing this game their whole life, but – Maybe he just doesn't get that urgency that he needs to have right now, and you don't see him playing so far with that urgency. Maybe it changes in the regular season and a flip flip switches when it's real football, but you'd have to think he'd want to pop in the preseason just to put some of the doubters to bed. I mean, he... There's no question he's the Steeler that hears more media scrutiny than anyone. This year? Yes. For sure. far. I mean, maybe outside of the offensive line? It's him more than the because he's one name you can totally focus on and, and tangibly see him not playing well. Well, it's also because he's the only player in this on this team who the Steelers made a move for to require in the draft. I know there were moves to move up to get Kevin Dotson. There were other moves earlier in prior years, but Devin Bush was the only one in a draft on the Steelers to be traded up for in the first round. Not just go from 24 to, to 19 or 19 to 17. The Steelers went from, what, 21, I believe, or or maybe even 20, all the way up to number 10 to get Devin Bush. Mm-hmm. So that- 100%, because of that, that is why the scrutiny is there. You can flash back to a couple of years ago, Tom, when Terrell Edmonds was the one who was heavily scrutinized because he was taken in the first round. But everyone said... He was taken in the first round of what, pick number 24, 26? Right. So six picks later, he's a second-round guy. Devin Bush 
is 22 picks away from being a second-round guy. There was no way that Devin Bush would have fallen to the second round. Dale Lawley points this out all the time in the drive that this guy was a top-10 caliber pick. If the Steelers didn't get him, someone else would have gotten him. I, I believe that, too. Yeah, it's not like he was going to fall down draft boards. That's why you trade up, because you're worried someone's going to That's why you him. traded up, and there's still that hope that he's because he was a top-10 pick top, he could somewhat he could channel something from that caliber of player that he was coming out of Michigan. Clearly that 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 full potential has dwindled, I think. Yeah, I think so too. I, I don't think you're ever gonna get to the top ten pick level anymore. But I'd take his rookie year level, you know. Yeah, right. A couple splash plays here and there, maybe three turnovers total every uh, on the year and Maybe a nice return. He got a touchdown in his rookie season. Well, I was gonna say how that one play he had against San Diego yeah, or the Chargers. He was the only one on the field who thought this is a live ball. I gotta pick it up and run it into the end zone. He looked like the Tasmanian devil his his rookie year. Yeah, there were some things he did wrong and he probably overran his assignments sometimes, but he was just a you know, he's like the spinning cyclone. Like he was all over the field. And you love that from an inside linebacker, especially a young one like that. You see Devin White do that all the time in Tampa Bay, just all over the field making plays in the run, in the pass, and, and, and laying some hits and blitzing, getting some sack, doing putting your hand in everything. And that's what Devin showed his rookie year. He put his hand in every pile, just hasn't been able to come yeah. to fruition. And now you find yourself in a position battle with Robert Spillane. We just had Williamson on uh, the show yesterday, and he said, I don't even know why Spillane is even on an NFL field. Like, he shouldn't even be seeing his legit NFL playing time. But It's yet only he's because right of Devin Bush mix. really not stepping up to it. And I think his point on Spillane really shouldn't be on the NFL field much is true because it's you hear a lot from the Steelers about maybe going big nickel, maybe going dime, three DBs on the field, Edmonds creeping down into the box more. Sure. I think that tells you that they agree that Spillane. They don't want him out there. Yeah, like there's not. It's not a matter of oh, Bush isn't good enough. Well, we throw Spillane. Forty-one wins the job, you know, and he's going to be the starter. No, that's not good enough either. We need to find out something better. And I like the big nickel at least as an experiment. I think Edmonds is a bigger safety anyway. Uh, he was well. That's something that they they tried with Marcus Allen, right? His rookie. Year. Yeah, but Edmonds a little bigger than Allen. Sure. Yeah, for uh, sure. He's got that linebacker blood in him too. His brother, good linebacker in Buffalo. And I just, he competed in backs on backers during training camp, which is rare for a defensive For the first time in his career. Yeah, so I think the writing's on the wall. They're going to see him kind of creep into that box more. Uh, but it's not just Terrell Edmonds' size and his really, you know, coming on strong of late in the tackling department that helps you do that. It's the fact that you have DeMonte Casey, too. You couldn't do this if you didn't have three legit starting safeties that you can throw out there. Casey gives you that. Minkin Casey in the back end, Edmonds creeping up into the box. I think it's definitely worth an experiment. You'll be undersized, even though we just said Edmonds is big for a safety. You're definitely sacrificing some size, but if Edmonds can lay the the, the hit on some running backs and, and do really well covering tight ends and running backs across the middle of the field, which he should have no problem with, I think that's the way to go. That's the way to remedy this best. What's horrible about this is that's our best case solution. Yeah, no, it's not good. That's a, a lot of the Steelers' problems are like that. You know, we're talking about Mark Robinson too throwing his hat, and he's just not ready. He's good enough to make the fifty-three, get a hat on game day, and do a lot of special team stuff. But you can't throw that seventh-round pick out there and be like, okay, inside linebacker number two next to Miles Jack. But the Steelers have their hands tied behind their backs so much so to the extent where they're considering putting Marcus Robinson out there. Mark Robinson, sorry. 
I think Mark Robinson will get to play a lot against Detroit and maybe get which the... maybe could be a good thing for him. Yeah, I think it will be, but I think it will also probably expose yeah, this guy made a lot of good plays later in these preseason games, but give him a full workload, he's not there. Let yet. him go up in that first half against Detroit's Let first him, I want to see him against some first teamers for sure because he'll probably he show you he's not ready yet. But I think it's a guy worth investing in for a couple years down the road. I think sure. he, he could definitely snatch one of those inside backer spots. NFL 100 came out. We're going to get into that a little bit in our last episode here. A couple cool. Steelers have popped up on the list. We'll talk about where they are and talk about where some potential Steelers might wind up as they continue to count their way towards uh, the top 20 players in the league. Also, some division news I want to get to. We'll take a look at all three of the division teams uh, and give you our thoughts about what's going on in Baltimore, Cleveland, and Cincinnati. He's Jacob Brecht. I'm Tom Offerman. This has been the Steelers Standard. We always appreciate you guys giving us a listen, and we'll talk to you next time. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Spentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.